I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I have a I have a real pep in my step. And I know. I know this isn't the weekly sick palette podcast. So we're not going to talk about the weather. We're going to well we are going to talk about the weather. But we're going to talk about it um in a slightly nuanced way. I promise I will leave all of this behind in the dust if anyone ever says, Deepa, will you just be our weather girl? I'll leave it all behind. I'll leave it all behind. But I want to do it somewhere where I can talk about the sun and the heat in the deranged way I want to. Um, so it has to be somewhere like Miami, or I, I would love to just be in Austin. Austin can really do it. And then I could like leave in February, maybe, maybe be a, a, <laughs> a weather correspondent in Miami. You know what I mean? Uh, what are weather people's lives like? <laughs> are they good? Are they, are they just having a ball? Are they good? Anyways, um, welcome to the Supper Club Report. Uh, this is a really, really exciting episode because we get to talk about throwing a dinner party in the summertime, which is honestly, this is, this is the height, height of where you can make some of the greatest dinner parties happen. It's, it's just, it's just the way it goes. The heat, there's something about being able to go as late as you want. Um, the produce just is super popping. And it, it, you know, summer, summer just feels like possibilities. And it can really give you a way to like get a menu going. Get a menu going with lots of colors, lots of spices. It could be a lot of fun. You got drinks with a lot of ice in it. You know what I'm saying? I, I, dinner party in the summertime. This is elite peak dinner party season. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Those people are fools. Speaking of fools, uh, I'm a fool. I have not understood that <laughs> I've always respected mustard. You know, I, I, I had to make like just like gallons and gallons of different kinds of mustards for Dite Away way back for the farmer's market. And maybe it was also just jarring them, especially when you're like dealing with like honey mustards to, to jar them in like a small eight ounce jar by hand. It's a bitch. It's the worst. Um, and I like I like using it. But, you know, it wasn't until this past dinner party that I threw, I realized what a start it was. And, and here I am being left behind because all, basically, like, all of India that, like, touches the Bay of Bengal, basically all of East India was like, yeah, duh, mustard's the shit, including some of my people, the millions Everyone has understood mustard being peak 
summer vibes. And here I am, the last fool on the last train, a true idiot. But you are not here to talk about me being a fool. You're here to talk, or you're here to listen, apparently, to me talk about my many, 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 many years of supper clubbing. I mean, if we take away just my my own time of throwing supper clubs since 2014, uh, you know, my first supper club was with Dideaway back in 20, tw- 2011, 2011. So I have been connected to the supper club game for Jesus. 11 years. 11 years. So so I I have a few things to say. That's me just wrapping myself up. Letting myself know that yes, even though you've been a fool about mustard deepa, you've got things to say about supper clubs. Um so let's talk about it. Uh today I want to really get into why summer is your peak dinner party season, what it means to essentially build a fire in the heat. Um, and obviously, you know, kind of go through the menu that was just thrown last Wednesday um, while focusing on the salad course. Should be fun time. So first off, one of the reasons why a supper club is better in the summertime is because your dinner guests are better. They might be the same people in winter and they just get better with the summer like everybody else does. You can you can have and listen, you always want things to go well. But, you know, I I've thrown supper clubs between the months of let's say January, February, and a little bit of March, you 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 cannot make a lot of mistakes. You, you, you're always going into a supper club not wanting to make any mistakes, but mistakes are gonna happen. This is like a it's this is a live thing you're throwing, right? And it's got courses, you've got prep cooks, you've got sous chefs, you've got servers, you've got wine, you've that you probably need to highlight. Um, You know, you've got sponsors for your gift bags. You've got a playlist. There's a lot of reasons why your supper club is not going to be perfect. Um, You know, sometimes some of them click better than others. But I'll tell you, in January and February, especially those two months, they don't click as well. They just, they just don't. And it's, it, it's maybe the fact that you're cooking, you know, most of our supper clubs, we have cooked outside with a wood-fired oven uh, or on a farm where, you know, we're cooking out of a greenhouse, essentially. It's, it's, it's very romantic to look at a prep kitchen that is being basically built in the morning and, and sort of prepped all day. The pictures look great. It's, it's you know... Some real, some real gorgeous, uh, what's it called? 
Fiedin, Fiedin, you know, like those cookbooks, like it, I can see like just pages and pages of, of that filling up pages of a cookbook that hopefully one day I will have. Um, but it's, it's not so fun to set your kitchen up if it's cold outside. You just don't want to do it. Um, and so, you know, if, if you are uncomfortable um, and if you're cold, uh, the solution, the solution, unfortunately, is much harder, much harder to achieve um, than if you're just super hot. You know, you, you're being hot. It's, it's more of a reminder of like being in a professional kitchen. In a professional kitchen, you're always hot. You're, you're covered in sweat. Um, and so it just, it just sort of is more conducive to cooking. So that's one aspect. The other thing is if your guests are also in a farmhouse or in a giant winery or, um, essentially in a large enough space for that amount of guests to be in, the room is going to be cold. The outside air is going to be cold. It just is. It's just never going to be warm enough. In the beginning. Um, and people, people are not getting enough vitamin D. For real. It's real. Um, the clouds are making it so that your whole dinner has to be more perfect because they have now traversed in the cold for you. They have now driven their cars, gotten their sitters, all of that. And whether or not it's fair or not, they will pile all of that tension onto you. So if you don't deliver, you, you are the reason why they left their kids and had to pay a babysitter. You are the reason why um, they've had to schedule this special night because you chose to do a supper club on a weeknight. They had to drive after they had been driving back from work at 4.30 p.m. And it's already dark outside. It is hard to win that crowd. In the summertime, especially in Austin, Texas, thank God. I mean, you're still seeing the sun right up until like 9 p.m. You know, it, it just feels like there's more possibilities. They have less clothing on. They've got, it, it doesn't take forever to get out of the house, you know. You can basically throw on a sundress, some sandals, and get out of there. It, it feels easy. Life is easy. So if your courses aren't coming out imperfectly, it, it's not perfectly timed, the crowd is not going to notice. They're just, they're just happy to be alive. Seriously. And so you have all of this ability when there's not that pressure to be perfect and you know that you're working with the crowd that is excited to be there, happy to be there. Um, because there's less pressure, your supper club's going to go well too. Because your sous chefs, your prep cooks, everybody doesn't feel your attention as much either. 
It just feels like it. And I've had some supper clubs go off the rails in August, but it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel as off the rails as it would have in January. In January, it would have ended my career in August. You know, we'll get them, we'll get them next time. And that's the truth. And that, I think, also translate, it really does translate for your dinner party you're throwing at your house. It's, it's basically the same tenants, right? They're still driving to your house. They're still having to bundle up in January. They're probably grumbling of like, why do you want to throw a party in the car? They're talking shit about you, man. You're, trying, you're just trying to throw a supper club. and They're talking shit about you in the car in January. <laughs> or, or dinner party. <laughs> in the summertime, it's fun. It's whimsical. Everywhere is hot. Inside, they're going to be in a cold room with the sun peeking out. That's when you get to also have better tasting food. You get to have ceviches. You get to have things that are fermented locally that only took a week to ferment because of the weather. They're going to have spicier food, which is going to make them drink colder drinks, which is going to make people a little bit more lushy. Summer, baby. Summer, that can happen. Um, and the big aspect of a lot of our supper clubs was the fact that we were building our own fire. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, aha, it's probably much better to build a fire in the wintertime. Wrong. You're so wrong. You're so out of control wrong. I cannot believe he even said that. I mean, really, honestly, you're off. And the reason is this. Because in order to build a fire, it is a lot of work, especially right in the beginning. And if you are building a fire that is going to be essentially the fire that is going to sustain, you know, three to five courses, uh, has to last you for about I would say conservatively 15 hours or so. Um, you're going to have to build it. You're going to have to give it a nice base. And building something in the wintertime at 5.30 a.m. is miserable. That's miserable shit. Um, so we would have this large wood-fired oven. That was that was really our baby. Um, used to be parked right outside of the Pulira, uh trailer. It was um, at the at the back lot of Saint Elmo. Um, it's been it's been in warehouses. It's been in in on farms. It's it's really been everywhere, man. This little wood-fired oven has traveled. It's been in a, in a private mansion <laughs> in South Austin. Um, so, yeah, this little baby has traveled. Um, and, man, it has cooked. It has cooked a lot. But in order for that thing to really sing, you, you've got to be really strategic. You've got to be strategic about your fire. You know, and I feel like... Uh, Boys and Girl Scouts. Do they teach the Girl Scouts how to 
make a fire, build a fire, they do, right? That'd be crazy for them not to. Why don't they just have like scouts in general? Like why, why does it have to be a distinction? Shouldn't they be all learning the same skills? I don't know. We can, we can go back to that. Maybe, maybe, maybe the Supper Club podcast will just uh, start morphing into um, a Scouts FAQ podcast. You know, we'll just try it on for size. We'll see. We'll see how it goes, right? Next, next episode, that could work. Um, to build a fire, you have to have a good foundation and it has to start small. Um, and you have to have patience. Do you know how hard it is to have patience when it's cold and dark? It's tough, especially because the whole thing is heavy. The whole thing is made with like solid, you know, it's basically like a giant cast iron that you're moving around. So it's heavy. Even to lift the doors, you got to jimmy it up. Then you bring it down. You got to feed the bottom with wood. You've got to stack the wood correctly. You've got to start small and you got to be patient. You got to know that it, that this is a fire that's going to take you about two hours before you can even think about putting anything in there. And in the wintertime, you don't have patience. But in the summertime, especially if you start early enough and, and here in Austin, you get a little bit of that breeze that helps you with your fire. I mean, come on. To build a fire in Austin, Texas, starting when it's like 70 degrees, it's heaven. And then while that fire is growing, so is your heat tolerance. So it's 110 degrees outside and you've got a full roaring fire out, okay? It's in the middle of July. And I'm telling you, it feels glorious. It does. It's super hot inside that oven. But things are also coming out quickly, going in quickly, because your fire just sustains better in the summertime. You have had the ability to feel your fingertips so you can actually build something far more sustainable. And you acclimate to the fire. Once again, cooking is something. If you're in a professional kitchen, you're having to acclimate to your range, which is also fire. And if you're doing 300, 400 covers a night, you're in the middle of fire and you're hot and you're sweaty, not just from the cardio that you're really working out, but from the fact that you're in front of an actual fire. I mean, even if you're working garde manger, you might have like, you know, a little, what's it called? Those uh, incubator stoves in the back, hot plates. But you've been prepping with fire. You've been around it. You're still, you're still in a small kitchen with four or five people who some of them are tending fires. Summertime, summertime, you can, you can really get into it. It feels good. By the end of the day, you're disgusting. Deeply disgusting. But you, it feels good. In the wintertime, to feel that disgusting by the end of the night, to know that you have to go back to wherever wherever you live and take a shower after all of that and take off all your disgusting layers, 
miserable, misery, misery. And in the summertime, your food is better. Tomatoes are in season. Peaches are in season. Chilies. Oh, my God. So this past dinner party that we had, the supper club on Wednesdays, dubbed Wine Wednesday, or the Sick Palate Supper Club, uh, it's, it's our industry-only monthly supper club that we do. So if you're, you know, a cook, a chef, uh, a, a designer of restaurants, uh, you know, a fast casual mogul, a restaurateur, a line cook, a bartender, uh, somebody that throws a bunch of awesome pop-ups, you can find them in a townhouse in South Austin at a dinner party once a month. And it's really, really fun. And what's really fun is this past dinner party, uh, the food was spicy, but it wasn't like my spiciest because local chilies really come in, really, really come in July and August. And that's when you get the food really, really piping hot. Um, but, but this menu was really fun to make. Um, the other thing I love about the summertime is you can have a salad course. And I'm not talking like throwing leaves on a plate and then like some dressing. You know, and people, people always love to put strawberries on a salad. Please stop putting strawberries on a salad. I beg you. Please, God. Please, please, please. I don't want to see poppy seeds and strawberries on a salad. In the year of 2022, why? Why is it when I pick up a menu, I look towards the salad and I see it? I see it in a shudder. A shudder goes through me. Texas strawberries in your salad. I understand you want to have like a sweet, savory moment. I I hear you. You want the Instagram posts. I get it. I want to be on your side. (sighs) But, you know, have you had strawberries with a bunch of arugula? What is it really doing for you? (laughs) Can, can, Can I ask you? What are you tasting that is making you say to yourself at all times, yeah, that's consistently on the menu. Why? It's not that great of a combo. It's just sort of fine. It's not that it's unpleasant. It's just sort of like nothing. It's like if someone was like, do you want a spoonful of sugar? Awesome. Um, do you want it with a bunch of leaves? You wouldn't be like, God, that's disgusting. I mean, it's weird, but it's not disgusting. And you ate it and you'd be like, okay, all right, that's uh, okay. That was weird, uh, but I don't, I don't feel any way about it. So, so let's stop it. For, we're better than that. Austin chefs, we are better than that. 
Um, but your salads can be really fucking cool. A salad course. Um, it can, it can be something that could even turn into a main course. I love to make something that basically looks like a tower on a plate where it starts with maybe like a leaf base and you've got, you know, Texas new potatoes and you've got all kinds of, um, there is a salad I made for a, it was a duck dinner, uh, with my girl, Christina, with both my girls, Christina and Ashley Chang. Um, they were, they were the founders of spun ice cream. Super, super talented. Um, then we, we did a, we did a duck and ice cream supper club and it was super fun, super fun. And we had a course that was, um, a salad course and it looked like just giant towers of green. Uh, but we made a duck blood, uh, dressing and it had dehydrated Texas blackberries. That was dope. Okay. That was, I, we put berries in the salad. Okay. I stand by that. But no more goat cheese, strawberry, greens. Ah, that that's that's it. We're done. We're done with the topic. Um, you can have a salad course, um, and it can it can really kind of show off local produce in in a really fun, dynamic, creative way. Summertime supper clubs, man. So, uh, in the actual uh, post of this podcast, you're going to have basically the recipe uh, from this week's menu. It, this was the first course. So the first course was, um, well, let me, let me first tell you what the menu was. The menu essentially um, was, kind of, was kind of my take on food from Pondicherry. Pondicherry is, um, it's, it was formally formerly a French colony um, in Tamil Nadu in India. And the food is a really exciting mix. And it, and it was also an important port. Um, I think it still is an important port. Um, I don't like the way I say port. 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 Hmm. That's a me problem, not necessarily a problem I need to work out on this podcast. But, you know... Just another note for me. Um, so Pondicherry is essentially um, a city that, or not a city, it's a colony. It's a colony, it's a place. Um, I think it is a city. <laughs> um, it, it was a place where a lot of cultures would mix, mix and meld. Um, and some of them were, were, you know, happy accidents. Um, and some of them was, was directly through colonialism, which is, which is never happy. It just isn't. It's, it's tough stuff. Um, but what did come out of it was some extraordinary food. Um, so you do have a little bit of French influence, um, you also have a lot of amazing South Indian know-how, and then you also have a lot of Southeast Asian influence because, because of its basically its port status. Um, and that, 
And that just makes the food incredibly delicious, incredibly fresh. Um, I would say a lot of the cooking I'm I'm seeing uh, when I was doing my research for this menu is it's it really is based on uh, seasonality and the idea of raw fresh flavors, which is always very exciting. Especially if you live in a city that has an abundance of produce, an abundance of different kinds of um, spices and flavors. In, in the kind of Thamelian cooking I grew up with, there wasn't actually a lot of existence of mustard. Uh, but So it was really fun for me to see um, what, what other Thamelians are doing. And man, mustard... Let me tell you, I made my own Dijon mustard with a little bit of uh, this dry hopped pet gnat from Field Recordings. You know, I I was reawakened to what mustard can be if you're not making like 32 gallons of it at one point. You know, you're you're really able to be like, oh my gosh, I'm just making a pint of mustard and this is just... This is just straight flavor, straight pleasure. What a dream. Don't make mustard in bulk. Um, do, it, do it by the pint. Um, and that's what the recipe is for. Um, so you'll have the Dijon dressing. You'll have a porti chili oil. Um, and we're doing basically um, a very nuanced take on the Niçois salad. A Niçois salad is... One of my favorite kind of salads, French salads, because it essentially is a salad that is a platter of food. It's a platter. I, I don't, I mean, technically, I guess it's a salad, but it's really just a platter of food with really delicious dressing. And it's about um, making stuff that can be blanched and then held cold, mixing it with maybe some preserved fish. Um, that night on Wednesday, I served it with some mushroom boudin, um, with also dosas on the side, which I highly recommend. Um, you can, you can obviously put greens on it. I've seen carrots on it. Uh, we did some tamarind roasted vegetables. So that'll be part of the recipe, essentially giving you the sauces, the flavors, um, the recipes for each part of the dressing and also gives you that ability, that freedom to then mix and match whatever you want to assemble, whatever looks good. Go to the farmer's market um, in whatever city you're in. See what's out there, you know, and then build a niçoise salad out of that. Make a giant platter of food of that, and then serve it to your friends on a really hot summer day that's about to turn to night. You are about to have the best party. It's going to be the best dinner party. I, I swear. Something magic about that. Uh, so that was the first course. Um, and then we had a crab curry, which was super delicious, um, which was also based on Booyah base. But in Pondicherry, they call it Puya Base. Um, 
and what else? Oh, yeah, we did a risotto. We did a fermented tomato and forty chili oil risotto. Um, the crab puya base and the fermented tomato risotto. That's not featured in, in this week's um, newsletter, but I really like that crab curry. So I feel like we might be seeing it. At, at some, at some later, later newsletter. So that's what's going on this week. What else is coming through on Sick Palette? So speaking of throwing giant supper clubs uh, towards the height, the height of heat in Austin, um, just, just stick around. We're getting closer and closer um, to be able to announce some stuff, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to catch some really late, late, late heat vibes, uh, in 2022, uh, with some fun events. So stay tuned for that. Um, there's still going to be a jaggery palm sugar newsletter coming out. Um, a wild fermentation newsletter coming out, which is going to have, um, the, I, 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 I feel like it's got like a little bit of like internet, internet cult status at this point, but it's going to give you, um, the directions of making your own pizza wave sauce. And I'm really excited about that. I've been asked about this several times. When am I going to do a pizza wave recipe? Um, so it's coming. It's coming, um, and that is definitely going to be a paid subscription entry. Um, and speaking of paid subscribers, first of all, thank you so much for subscribing to Sick Palette just in general. But paid subscriptions, it just, it just gives you everything. And there's been quite a bit now, like full recipes, full complicated spicy, crazy, wild recipes that I'm really proud of because it takes me forever to write and it's tough on my end. But what I really love about it is I really don't think there's recipes like that anywhere else. For better or for worse, there just isn't. Um, and I, I just really, I really think that's what's such a cool thing about this this little food community that we're building together is it's it's gonna like what I'm hoping is is get people to cook in maybe different ways um I mean it's it's already making me cook in different ways with research and thinking about dinner parties and thinking about how I can translate it for a newsletter or a podcast later um it's definitely made me a better cook so that's my, that's my, is that a hard pitch or is that a soft pitch? What's the difference? Is a soft pitch like subtle? I don't like a soft pitch. I want you to know when I'm pitching. That was a pitch. That was a pitch, damn it. Um, I think I'm all done here. Okay, so I think what I'm going to do with this podcast is uh, I will make this available to all subscribers for two weeks. 
and then it's going it's going behind the paid subscription vault um and i think you can do a free trial um to see some some other podcast episodes that are also behind the vault so to speak the vault the virtual vault all right guys well thank you so much for tuning in i'll talk to you guys very soon please enjoy the recipe if you do make the recipe let me know how it turns out um and i hope you guys are getting ready to throw the dinner party of yours and your friends dreams that was sweet and a little weird I don't want to end it that way. I'll say one more sentence. You know, I think that's how we're ending it, unfortunately. This is, this is the road we're on. It's unfortunate. I'm going now. Goodbye.